Welcome to Filled to Flourish with Luke and Lauren. Where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey guys, uh, welcome back. It's good to be here on a sunny day. Luke and I are just going to enjoy this time sharing with you about something a little bit provocative, honestly. Not in the sense you're thinking, <laughs> um, but definitely counterintuitive yeah it's gonna get your mind really thinking um don't draw conclusions before you hear us out though yes we want you to think we want you to rethink things because that's the way we are able to learn change grow Mm -hmm. heal and learn from mistakes yep and really examine our beliefs to see if they are worth believing right you know whether they're the pushing us to pursue the right paths yes so today we're going to talk about our attachment and how it relates to our relationship with god and how parenting is directly influenced to our attachment and we need to reassess that sometimes to know how we want to lead our kids in relationship with god mm-hmm. so like I said, provocative. Mm-hmm. I actually said that. That's right. But you smirked at me when I did. <laughs> we said that. I think you like that word, actually. Provocative. Yeah. yeah. And me as an Enneagram 8 definitely like that word yeah. and like to be provocative. So we're actually proposing the idea that actually attachment, developing a strong, healthy attachment as a baby slash child is of primary importance to all of life and should be prioritized, this is where I'm going to get a lot of people, over instruction about God. Let's just let that set in a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so just sit with that discomfort for a second. What I am saying is, If we do not develop that strong, healthy attachment from the first thousand days after conception, so this is till two years old, research in psychology has very consistently shown that if that is not developed in that time period, the foundation for relationships and identity of self will be insecure and unhealthy for the rest of your life. Correct. With the exception of it intentionally being repaired, right. that, that poor, that insecure attachment. Right. So banking on the fact that that's true, which you may not believe that premise is true, but we're going to go with believing that that premise is true, that those first couple years are foundational to the rest of your life. Not only based on science, but experience, observation, seeing it play out over and over. Right. If that's true, then we are going to throw it out there that that is the most important goal first in parenting. And not even just, okay, at two, my kids got a good attachment. I think we did good. Now we're just going to like drop the ball and do whatever the heck we want because parenting's hard. Continuing that strong, healthy 
way of engaging with your child, attuning to their needs, being responsive, and being able to handle hard emotions, the big six that Adam Young talks about that a child needs to have a healthy, secure attachment with their parent, continuing to do that as a foundational part of your child being a healthy human and eventually being able to connect with God in a healthy way. So basically the premise is, if you don't have a healthy, secure attachment, you're going to struggle attaching to God. 1,000% Yeah, is what we believe yeah. and what we've seen yeah. and what we've experienced. Yeah. <laughs> so where do we go from here? Yeah. Where are we getting this from? So God tells us that we love because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. And that reality is so powerful. The more I've come mm-hmm. to understand attachment and pursuit, like every child is born into the world, looking for someone looking for them, yep. according to Adam Young, that's his, right? Yeah. And it's the same with us as humans connecting with a heavenly parent. We are looking to be seen, loved, attuned to, and cared for by the God of the universe. That verse also says, we love him because he first loved us. We didn't, right. we didn't come in. It is a responsiveness to God's love, like you said, that can even create the foundation for us being able to give love to others and to be able to reciprocate his love, love for us love him. back to him. So just like as a parent-child relationship, if a, par- if a child is going to gain a secure attachment, it's going to be because his parents loved him well. Right. And that's the same interaction with God. Mm-hmm. That as he loves us well, we can love him well. Yeah. And he's the one uh, who, who started the love cycle. Yeah. And so we believe as parents being, you know, little models of, of the parent, celestial parent that we all have, we are to model that and be the first source and yeah, I guess connection to love for our child. We are the first ones. And that foundation is then a blueprint for the rest of their life. Absolutely. And and we believe God made it that way. Right. It's not like science decided this. Right. Science realized this. Right. This was a reality that Gave was put into yeah, and it's been the way since since humans started procreating. This yeah. was the design. I think. I would agree. I think we, the scripture supports that too. Absolutely. So even deeper, more existential. Mm-hmm. If as a parent. I can't receive God's love mm-hmm. because of my insecure attachment. I'm gonna. It's gonna affect my identity and how I parent. Oh yeah. So it's that cyclical thing that we keep on talking about. On a human perspective, of my broken attachment affects my my relationship and marriage, friendship, parenting, and now we're expanding that mm. to also. It's going to affect our relationship with God. And that relationship affects how many more areas. Right. Again, we're encouraging you to think about the importance of attachment, how it's a primary goal over biblical knowledge. 
or biblical teaching, mm -hmm. like the Pharisees in the Bible, they had good biblical knowledge, but they didn't love, love well. Yeah. They didn't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So there's just an example, quick example, that knowledge isn't everything. Right. Why? Okay. So some people would say, well, I'm just taking a different approach with my kids. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the knowledge is what will transform them. And so I want them to memorize verses. I want them to know all the Bible stories. I want them, you know, to have these behaviors right. And then one day when they're older, the behaviors will mean something more to them. So I am focusing more on behavioral modification and less on the heart. What, what would you say to that? I don't want to use a bunch of verses through this podcast, but the verse comes to my mind is Romans 12, 1. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the renewing of your mind is a twofold. It's renewing of your mind of believing truth. But as we have looked at the science mm -hmm. that is now giving language to how God created us, the renewing of our mind is also the programming, the rewiring of our mind. So we have to, when we have an insecure attachment, our mind is wired one way. And the way that that gets rewired relationally is through earning a secure attachment, not through knowledge. We can have information and it never turn into an experiential experience. Yeah. We can know something to be true, but it doesn't change our brain networking until we experience it to be true. For example, I grew up in the church and I didn't experience, I didn't know, experience God's love as a reality until it was my mid to late twenties. I knew that he loved me. I knew about grace. I knew about forgiveness. Yeah, I your Bible a, knowledge was extensive. I was at, I went to church since I was four. I went I Sunday school, I had memory verse knowledge. Um, I was a leader in the youth group. I went to the youth group. At that point I'd gone through Bible college, but the knowledge did not transform my experience. Mm. I knew so many verses, yeah, but it wasn't until I started experiencing love and grace for the first time mm -hmm. consistently, mm -hmm. really in relationship with you, that mm -hmm. it started to change my understanding of who God was. Mm. So again, it was attachment yeah. that then translated into my relationship with God. Yeah. So while ideally you would have experienced this more um, fully as a child, your your brain, your neurological system, your heart, whatever you want to call it, was able to respond to that as an adult in your 20s. And you were able to begin to repair your attachment, have a more secure attachment. And all of a sudden, your heart saw God experientially in a completely different way. Right. And we had no idea that's even what was happening, was happening or yeah. what we were supposed to do. We weren't following any type of script or no. protocol for no. this. And that started shifting my relationship with God. I pursued God through my insecure attachment. Yes. So the way I was pursuing relationship with my parents, making good choices, being a good kid, going to church, reading my Bible, doing the things that I felt like was the right things to do. The things that would earn love. That would earn love and affirmation from mm -hmm. my parents. I was doing those same things in a religious way. Yeah. Reading my Bible, going to church, pursuing 
ministry. Like I was going to college to do a job that I didn't want to do <laughs> and wasn't gifted in because I felt like that was the only way to do ministry. That That's... was the only way I was shown it. And so I was trying to be a pastor, which I am not a preacher. Mm-hmm. I'm learning that I'm a teacher yeah, and that there's similar gifts there. But I was only doing that because I thought that's what God wanted me to do. And that also that it would give you the... That would make him happy and then give me a relationship with him. Right. But also people-wise, you had shared, like, it would give you the yes. affirmation and acceptance from people too. Yeah. Well, like, I try to be, in another way, I try to be a good kid at home. I try to not cause problems. I try to do the right things, be obedient, do my schoolwork, not cause problems. Because if I didn't cause any problems at home, then I was a good kid. Mm. And so the same thing, that's what I felt. So the same thing, taking it to a religious perspective, mm-hmm. if I did what I was supposed to do and didn't cause problems, then God would be proud of me. Mm. And so my insecure attachment of pursuing approval from my parents through choices i did the same thing through god to god and not understanding that it was that he loved me no matter what like there's nothing yeah. i could do to earn more love there's nothing i could do to earn less love yeah so so in that scenario that you just painted as a kid the kid who looks like they're doing the right things they're they're obeying they're pleasing their parents they're you know doing all these things on the outside, in a behavioral model, you'd look and say, wow, they're doing awesome. But that little boy, underneath all of those actions, felt alone, unseen, vulnerable, missed by the people around him. Yeah. And he wasn't okay. I was also struggling with depression, anxiety, and feeling the failure. Yeah. So there was... There was no security that what I was doing was actually working. Right. All that effort really wasn't even helping you feel better right. about yourself or your relationships. And definitely not with my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I still felt like I had to work. So what if I had a secure attachment? Mm-hmm. What if our listeners had a secure attachment? Yeah. How would that change the relationship with God? How would that change the way we parent prioritizing attachment rather than information mm-hmm. or behaviors? Mm-hmm. So coming back to that, I think that's where it's so important because as my secure attachment has been earned and growing, my relationship with God has been becoming more intimate and close. I've experienced him as being proud of what mm-hmm. I'm doing, looking at how he's created me and gifted me in pursuing that mm-hmm. because Bible says he wants us to give life, have life and life abundantly. Yeah. There's something about that, that he wants to attune, engage, respond to what we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not for us to do what makes him happy, but he's created us in a way to enjoy doing what he's created us to do. Mm-hmm. And having that freedom to explore what that looks like, like within a secure attachment within a family, kids can make mistakes. Yeah. 
oh, I want to do this. Oh, I don't enjoy that. That's okay. There's safety here. There's safety to make mistakes. There's safety to explore. There's safety to try things and fail. So I tried being a youth pastor, <laughs> like not actually being a youth pastor, but studying for it. Mm-hmm. And for two years and, and being a youth leader, which I enjoyed, but it didn't fit. Mm-mm. And it was okay. I just wasn't wasted time. Right. Then I thought, okay, I need to be a missionary. And again, it wasn't only doing what other people wanted, but I felt like, okay, this is what God wants. Yeah. And then when God started working my heart, that no counseling where you're gifted, it was like, okay, is it missions or counseling? And God said, what if it's both? Mm-hmm. Like you've been pursuing counseling uh, missions for all these years and I'm excited about it, God. What if it's both? It's mm-hmm. not, I'm going to take this away from you because I want you to do counseling and you sacrifice. It's, this is where you're going to be most alive. You've seen that. Yeah, I sure have. But I couldn't explore those things, explored them sloppily. Yeah. Uh, make a lot of mistakes through my insecure attachment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until my secure attachment started growing between you and me yeah. that I could also see that God actually wanted good for me. Mm. That he wasn't God up in the sky who is just arms crossed, disappointed, judgmental, and always just mm. frustrated with me. Yeah. That's that's what I experienced him as. Mm-hmm. But as I saw you, as I was m- messily trying to have a relationship, mm-hmm. saying it's safe to make mistakes. Yeah. To start translate, my brain started shifting, saying, oh, wait, as I was reading books, and there was information, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just information. That information started helping me experience God wants relationship. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want just obedience. He doesn't want me just not to sin. Yeah. He wants a relationship. And what that looks like is freedom to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And from that has grown even more of an intimacy with him of understanding disciplines, reading the Bible, praying, meditating, memorizing scripture, sharing about God, teaching, loving people. It started shifting from a thing that I had to do to a thing that I wanted to do as an outflow of relationship. Mm-hmm. That's such a different perspective. Right. Whereas before it was to earn approval, earn favor. Now it's just a continuation of relationship. Yeah. Which really that was all shame and fear based. Absolutely. And the Bible says there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. And if we experience a perfect love from God, a love better than any kind of even great attachment here on earth, then fear is in our motivation and, and shame. You can right. kind of put them together. And so many people live and so many kids live by being compelled by shame, yep. being compelled by fear. Well, I'm, right. I won't be good enough if I don't achieve. I won't be loved if I don't. And it's this ceaseless striving and that love that I experienced from you is what opened that door. Mm. Your love casts out the fear of if I enter in this relationship, she's going to reject me. Yeah. I'm going to lose favor. Yep. That fear, you cast out that fear started. I started inv- being invited into relationship mm-hmm. and intimacy and an intimacy, which propelled me to in- pursue relationship with God in a different way. Yeah. And receive his invitation. Yeah. 
it was really remarkable to watch unfold. It is. Yeah. An experience. Yeah. And that's something I see constantly with clients, mm. how their insecure attachment affects a relationship with friends, family, spouses, kids, and God. And with certain times, my focus is to help them understand who, how much, how much God loves them before we address anything else. Yeah. Because that attachment mm -hmm. struggle mm -hmm. of receiving him and not experiencing him drives a lot of the other choices. Yeah. People in ministry, they'll work and work and work and work and work trying to approve, get approval and burning themselves out. But once they realize that they're accepted, mm -hmm. they can start moving in a different direction, but it's because they haven't had that secure attachment of I'm accepted no matter what. Yeah. And so if we parent from attachments perspective that you're accepted, you're loved. There's nothing you can do or not do that will change your beloved position as son or daughter. There's nothing you, it, it's, it's a hard balance. Cause obviously we're, we're calling our kids to maturity. We're, mm -hmm. we're calling them to a higher level of, of being human to, to develop, but also at the same time, having just this security and rootedness in our love exactly where they are now. Yeah. And what a powerful message and reality that is to live in as a kid that really will go with them for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. And that will then help give them the safety to pursue God the way as parents, we want them to, mm. to interact with him, yeah, to wrestle with him. Like the big six, um, one of them is to handle hard emotions and regulate ourselves. And then another one is regulate ourselves. As a parent, to As be parent. able to handle our children's hard emotions. God does that so well. <laughs> we see it throughout the Psalms of yeah. David not happy with God. Yeah. God doesn't like condemn him and shame him. Mm. He, he invites he the, regulates the himself vulnerability. And yeah. says, I hear you. Yeah. And even like some people are like, what about Job? I think that's a, a good example because mm -hmm. that's, that's the balance as parents, we want to, you said, call them up to a higher calling. And that's what God was doing with Job. He wasn't saying your experience is invalid. He's saying like, look at a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, trust me, there's bigger picture mm -hmm. and look at my attack. Like, look at my faithfulness He's calling them back to attachment in relationship and mm -hmm. Because there was a, a strong attachment in that relationship with Job and God. Yeah. Job, Job could say, like, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Right. Which is like, what is happening? I, I don't understand uh, fully. But I think it's uh, a, a really good takeaway from that is regardless of how painful you're circumstances are that is how strong good attachment with god can be that you can actually still rest in his care for you even when the world around you is like hell on earth and with a healthy attachment mm -hmm. when life is really tough between in our life yeah 
our attachment gets us through. Mm-hmm. Our attachment with God gets us through. Yeah. We can, we don't have to be afraid of A, B, C, or D. Yeah. We're learning to trust. Mm-hmm. So back to kids, um, what could this look like in a kid? A kid who, you know, we're all well-intended as parents. I really believe that. Yeah. But maybe we we kind of went along the track of, well, um, Bible information and the more we have them in church and Sunday school and, you know, the more they watch Veggie Tales and the more they do these things, um, the the healthier and happier and more whole humans they'll be, the, the better they'll be, whatever you want to call it, godly, whatever. And we realize, wow, I've kind of missed the most important thing, which is their heart. Mm-hmm. And I focus so much on behaviors. And now I, I see these things in my kid and I and I, I see that they're struggling. So you're asking, what does it look like when we've focused on information and prioritize that over the heart or attachment? Yeah. Yeah. And that could look so many different ways. I think a couple examples is you could see nothing. Okay. You could see somebody that's just perfectionistic and succeeding in all ways, but internally there's a lot going on mm. that can create some like OCD tendencies where perfectionism is the only success. Mm-hmm. So I have to read up my Bible every day. I have to be praying this. I have, can't be missing church. And that starts going in um, externalizing to every area of the kid's life. Mm-hmm. They start having that. Not only is it Bible stuff or church stuff, it's everything defines whether I'm a good, I'm good or bad. It becomes mm-hmm. very dichotomous. Mm-hmm. If I don't do my homework, I'm bad. If I don't do my chores, God's mad at me. And so if my parents have communicated disapproval when I've had these behaviors, it's going to then translate to God also sees me as unacceptable. Mm, yeah. And it may be all internal. It will boil over eventually. Yeah. It won't stay that way forever. And that's where you start seeing like OCD tendencies or eating disorders mm-hmm. or addictions. Um, yeah. And then really before that, even like just irritability, mm-hmm. it like they're seen fine and then they just blow up. Well, where'd that come from? It didn't just come from that moment. It's been, it's been this inner pressure that they put on themselves. Humans aren't meant to live under and without the foundation of a secure attachment, any critique or, um, you know, correction of them will be interpreted the wrong way. That's why a secure attachment is so valuable because in the safety of a secure attachment, you can share input and feedback, um, and it can be received. Like that's something that's changed in our marriage so much. Luke and I are able to give feedback to each other and it doesn't feel like a wounding. Right. <laughs> it feels like, oh, you love me. And this is a little bit hard to hear, but I can hear it and respond because I know you have my best interest at heart a hundred percent. And so same with our kids when they, when they have an insecure attachment, they question that it subconsciously, yep. they might never admit to that, but or be aware of it or even be aware right so the critiquing or the and we're and parenting's full of that we have to guide them continually so i think you'll see that mistrust potentially by how they respond to it mm-hmm. um and then like you said as as this goes on it really develops and 
to some really More serious, even, you know, work like I need good grades. I need perfect sports. All that turns into the adult who's a workaholic yeah. and who has great performance, but is like dying on the inside yeah. or the eating disorders or addictions. So that's one way more if you push it in down for many years, how it will eventually erupt into hard behaviors. Um, but then there can be other kids that they're already very clearly struggling in the here and now. Yeah. And that, those are more behavioral issues, that, but behaviors have a message. Yep. No kid wants to just to be a bad kid. No. Kids want to be accepted, want to be loved. And so if there's a behavior, it's coming from something somewhere and is trying to communicate a need, but they don't have the tools yep. to communicate that need or the safety to be direct. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be also kids that don't want to go to church. They don't want anything to do with the Bible. Mm -hmm. They don't want anything to do with God because that pressure yeah. is too much. It feels very uncomfortable for them. So if I can't ever please my parents, I can't please God, then mm -hmm. what do I have to do with him? I have a choice to whether I deal with God. Yeah. My parents don't have a choice. I'll push them away, but I still have to live with them. So there's that, that pressure of being somebody that they feel like they can't be. Mm -hmm. So they argue, they fight, they push back. And some parents might respond to that by Pushing over, <laughs> yeah, over compensating, um, even with God and kind of shoving it down their throat mm -hmm. and being so afraid and so fearful that maybe they won't follow God because it is their choice, um, that they won't believe in God as adults uh, and follow him. And so they, they, goodness, force them to go to church, force yeah. them to have family Bible studies. And all that's doing is reaffirming that the insecure attachment, that my needs don't matter. My heart emotions aren't acceptable. Mm -hmm. And the parents not regulating themselves. They're not apologizing for the, the pressure. Yeah. And so they're not tuning, they're not responding, not engaging. And it does push people, push kids away. Yeah. I think that something that's been powerful for our parenting is God's kindness leading us to repentance mm -hmm. just it is such a beautiful reality like god offers choice to humans yeah god the parent of the universe offers choice and respects the choices that we make that he doesn't think are, are in our best interest mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for those choices but he doesn't force us to walk with him. Yeah. And so in parenting, it's just this beautiful picture of our kindness, like in our, with relating to our kids and um, how to teach them about this God that we love that has changed our lives. We kind of take more of an approach of offering insight and ex our experience to our kids about God. And we do this a lot in conversation and in story. And we don't force certain behaviors from our kids in relating to God because we really feel like there needs to be so much grace and choice in this area. And we don't want it to ever go to the other side because we've seen that and it's really damaging. 
and it takes a long time to unwind. Mm. Um, so this is obviously just our opinion and our approach, but we really think that um, allowing there to be a lot of safety and choice when it comes to talking about God, talking about their beliefs, talking about our beliefs, we just, it's more of an offering versus a, a forcing. And we see that modeled by God, yeah. even to repentance, that even when we need to turn from something really destructive, God's kindness is actually the thing that changes our heart to do that. I think an area that really affirms that parents, parenting style is the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. It was always an option. It was always offering. There was allowing him to make bad choices, mm-hmm. knowing that it wasn't going to work out well for them. Yeah. But he allowed him. When he asked for the inheritance, it was as if saying, I wish you were dead. So in that culture, he could have disowned him, but he didn't. Mm. He allowed him to make a choice, mm-hmm. a choice that he didn't think would be a wise choice. He let him leave and live a lifestyle that he didn't approve of and didn't think would be helpful. But the whole time, he was still willing to receive him back. Yeah, it's so beautiful. That kindness of not controlling him, not forcing good behaviors down his throat, it was an offering. It makes me wonder if the prodigal son knew if he did have a more secure attachment because he knew his father would receive him back. And like you said, culturally, there was no reason he needed to or should have but he was drawn back by his father's kindness. Yeah. And that story is a parable (laughs) and it's directly about God and us, which is so, so cool. It is. And it is a challenge and encouragement. There's other areas also of God's character is shown of that kindness, that offering. It's never a forcing. It's always compassionate. Yeah. And so as we look at the Bible and we look at Jesus' character and we look at God's character, we think this is a very, this is how he interacts with us. This is how he invites us into relationship. This is how he parents us. And he gives us an example to parent the way he parents us. Mm-hmm. Looking at the Bible from that perspective has shifted my understanding of who God is. Yeah. Looking at it from that, from attachment or relationship rather than from a religious or right wrong yeah parenting yeah and that's affected the way i've interacted with him then also has helped us reshape our parenting approach mm-hmm. from a very right wrong behavioral modification and shame driven shame driven approach to yeah. actually we want their hearts mm. we always talk about how we were growing up we were parented from a behavioral modification perspective. We want the, our parents wanted the right behaviors. We started out that way, mm-hmm. but God does not want the right or wrong behaviors. He wants us to trust him. He wants a relationship. He wants to know our, his love for us. And out of that, we listen to his voice. Mm. And we say that we don't, we want our kids' hearts more than our kids' behaviors. Mm, yeah. Even that doesn't always play out that way. 
Right. For <laughs> sure. Because we're still human and we, sometimes we just want convenience. For sure. And the reason that shame-based behavioral modification parenting is so common is because it's a default mode for humans. Right. So we, we get drawn back into that very easily. We've seen it modeled. We, we culturally it's accepted and it gives us control. It's control. It, it's, it feels so much more powerful, <laughs> but it, it works. It can get the results at first, the, the service level results. Right. Yep. But when they're teenagers, when they're in their twenties and thirties, they actually have life choices. We don't have choice. We don't have control. Right. That's when we start pushing boundaries and try to control them yeah. and freak ourselves out because we're so worried about it and lose relationship, and we lose relationship. Yeah. But if we have their hearts, then they're going to have conversations with us. Mm-hmm. They're going to listen to our voice, our opinion. And that's ultimately what we want mm-hmm. as a parent. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what God desires as our, our parent. He does. It makes me think of the verse um, that my sheep know my voice. That is such a beautiful picture. Like I know my sheep, my sheep know my voice. That imagery of shepherd and sheep is so much about attunement Mm -hmm. and guiding. If you even think of Psalm 23, which is like such a famous Psalm, about God guiding us to what we need, guiding us to those still waters, restoring our soul, preparing that table for us in the presence of our enemies and anointing our head with oil, which was such a sign of affirmation, right? Of, of who you are and yeah, just the imagery in that of like God guiding and us following because we trust him. That is all attunement, responsiveness, yeah. and just how we we get to become these almost like students of our children to know their hearts, to know their inner world, to know when we tuck them in bed at night and they have a look on their face that there's their little hearts are heavy and to lean into that and to, to at, tell them we want to know them and that they're safe to share their heart with us. All of that is, is a direct modeling after the shepherd who who knows his sheep and his sheep know him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you. Well, I do actually know about you. I don't know about them because I don't know who's listening. But that is such a powerful draw to me to want to care and tend for my little sheep well yeah. and to give them what they need and to show them where there's harm and danger and to love them wholeheartedly and give them that strong attachment so that as they move forward in life, they're able to give love, real love, not manipulative, passive aggressive love, real love. And they're able to receive that from people. And that that love that they can receive will like nourish their souls and, and make their lives rich. Because if you walk around in life and you can't receive love, you're like a parched desert. Hmm. And there's so many people that walk around in that. Absolutely. They're in relationship, but is, does the love actually penetrate? I mean, that was you when we first got married. Right. There was so much love coming to you, but it couldn't penetrate your heart. And you were parched. Yeah. Even though you're surrounded by love. Mm-hmm. But we want something so different for our kids. Um, yeah. And I know that you want your kids, who, the listeners, to receive and give love. Yep. Um, and this is the approach that we really think is 
the way. Yeah, God's heart, biblical, yeah. and most helpful for our yeah. kids. And like you mentioned, I know my sheep, my sheep know my voice. Like that's what I was saying about the heart. They will hear our voice and know and trust it. Yeah. When Jesus says to so his sheep, this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Sheep know his voice and trust it and listen. Yeah. And the same thing with our kids. If there's attachment, they will listen to our voice. If there's attachment, they'll also listen to God's voice. Yeah. Of course, nothing's a promise, no. but that that is the principle. Right. Um, and it, it's, I think it's really true. So one more thing, just because people might be thinking like, so what does this mean? Like, don't talk about God or don't like read the Bible together. Don't listen to Christian music. Like, what are you talking about, Luke and Lauren? What, what does this mean? And um, no, that's not what we're saying. No. But we're saying the priority and the foundation of our parenting should be their connection with us, their heart connection with us above all else. Because that is the only way that they will, not the only way, that is the primary foundation needed so that they can connect with God as they grow and develop into adults and really develop an intimate relationship with their maker. Um, So those things can be incorporated into our lives, but those are not the things that should be driving our parenting and driving their understanding of God. Their understanding of God should come from who we are in relationship to them. And we're broken and we, we are a far miss from what, is like the glory and beauty of God. But this is the model God gave us. Yeah. <laughs> he made it so that parents would have little humans and then show them the way. And so it's an honor. It's also a bit scary yes. and intimidating to model like the Godhead. But as we grow and as we are able to receive more and more love and nurture and care from God, I think it's just a direct overflow into our kids. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Thanks. Well, this was a fun episode. It was. And I hope it was thought-provoking and we lived up to the provocativeness <laughs> of the beginning. I hope so. <laughs> and I hope you're encouraged and just take some of that pressure off of having to have perfect kids and do a perfect job and pre- present Jesus perfectly, mm-hmm. God perfectly, and Christianity perfectly. But really just love Jesus, love your kids, and that will help them love God and pursue God in a better way. Yep. Focus more on that experiential love, and it will be transformative. Yep. Experiences are the most powerful force to drive children's neurobiological networking. Yeah. So hopefully this was helpful to give you more direction in this parenting journey as we walk together. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.